0: Welcome to Level Up with Cheryl and Danny. We're here to help you take your health,
1: fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up.
0: Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Cheryl and Danny. Today, we are talking about what we wish
1: we knew about nutrition. Mm, there's so many things, and obviously, our whole podcast is almost reflection of lessons that we've learned when it comes to health fitness competing business lots of different things but today we really want to laser in on some nutrition sides of the argument i guess Mm. and really give some advice even for like people that are really new to nutrition or new to fitness, because we speak a lot about coaching and a lot about the advanced topics when it comes to training. And it's really easy even for us, Danny, to forget uh, a, a lot of what it's like to really start on your health and fitness journey. So today we want to really rewind the clock and go back to, you know, just some things that we wish we knew about nutrition.
0: Yes. And I love these reflective sort of um, podcasts based on our lessons. Not only for us to go down memory lane and go, shit, we have come a long way, but then for people to realize that you do make mistakes or you do try things and it might not work out. uh, You don't have to be perfect at everything. Mm -hmm. And I think in this day and age, still people just want to be the best at everything straight away away and realize, hey, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to change your opinion. It's not about, hey, you were wrong. This didn't work. Give up. It's like, no, try and find something else. So Mm. yes, as you said, today we'll share all the things that we wish we knew at the time, but we're kind to ourselves and go, Hey, we didn't know, but now we can make a podcast and try and educate you guys through our lessons that we learned. Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. So by no means is this an advanced dive on current things we're learning about nutrition it's a reflection episode for those who like maybe are just starting getting into the nutrition piece learning more about nutrition and sometimes I catch myself being like oh this is so basic it's so simple like everyone knows this and it's not the truth Right. Like so often we can get caught in our own bubble of like what we're learning about or the people we're surrounding ourselves with and realize that, you know, not everyone has as much insight or as much perspective or as much experience Um, going through these sorts of topics as well so to kick it off the first one that I wish I knew a long time ago right Mm. at the start when I first started um, you know going into fat loss phases or building phases or just you know working on my nutrition in general is understanding energy balance as a concept and understanding flexible dieting or tracking your macros
0: yes yes was that your first way of monitoring your intake tracking macros or
1: when did you start and what did you first do I started with a. I feel like everyone starts with some sort of generic challenge. I started with oh, a that's twelve right. week, a twelve week challenge, yeah. and I uh, had a meal plan that was part of that. Now, the reason why I wish I knew about this is because looking back at that meal plan that I was on, it was probably less than twelve hundred calories. I mm. kid you not. Very mm. restrictive, like broccoli and chicken and basmati rice and. Freaking six almonds as a snack, which is not a snack. What a taste! Right? What a taste! So where's the taste <laughs> up? Dip them in some chocolate. We might we might call it even. Um But the ability of understanding energy balance and macro tracking allows you to look like forecast or look back and go hey mm. like what are these targets are they actually appropriate because like I said I started with like yeah definitely meal plans and restrictive ways of eating and feeling trapped and like I couldn't deviate from the plan otherwise mm. I wasn't being disciplined rather than realizing that actually the plan is just the numbers um and this is just one way to get there so I think meal plans work uh like well for people at the start to understand like you know what a balanced meal should look like time of eating like food sources tracking things really accurately etc um i'm a fan of meal plans that have the macro breakdowns at the bottom i think Mm. that's okay because it's a teaching tool but the the most sustainable approach is always going to be understanding how to actually track your energy intake Um, yeah really really curious what was your first like entry point to nutrition
0: To be honest, it was actually the same. And I think um, upon reflection, you know, we've spoken off air, it was the same company. It was a big company back then that, you know, it was a protein company and supplement company. So you'd have breakfast. And then a snack would be one of their protein bars or protein shake, lunch, protein bar or shake, dinner, protein bar or shake. They were good protein bars. They were very yum. Sometimes (laughs) I still sneak them in. But, like, again, no awareness. We didn't have apps. I wasn't following anyone on Instagram. You know, Instagram was just coming about. I just had a, a black and white A4 printed sheet with my meal plan on the fridge And then didn't understand why I was following it, but you know, someone um, at one of the supplement stores just told me to do it. So I tried, but not sustainable because I didn't know what I was doing. And then Mm -hmm. whether it was a leg day, whether it was a rest day, whether I just played tennis, it was the same sort of meals. And I'm like, why am I hungrier on some days than others? It was just very linear. I mean, I stuck to it and it worked for the short term, but then I just gave up. I'm okay, what do I do when I go out to dinner? That's not yeah. on my A4 piece of paper. Like, yeah, so lots of loopholes, but
1: we we both definitely have a similar starting point with that. Yeah, absolutely. And then I feel like, so energy balance is a concept, like means, you know, you're tracking the amount of calories and the amount of energy that's coming in. Um, and and that's the real target that you're trying to hit. I was actually saying to to Luke the other day, I was like, I used to think that when I was young, I responded better to dieting phases, right? I used to be like, it's so easy to get leaner when I was younger. um, Then now I feel like I've got to grind. And then I was reflecting and I was like, actually no it's probably because when I was younger I was eating like 1200 calories for like 12 weeks consistently that's why it was easier like I had no option so it was like I was the energy intake was just slashed whereas Mm. now when you've got more knowledge it's like you're a bit more conservative with things you're understanding you've got a flexible approach you've got more leeway Um, so it's not that things are harder because a lot of people say that tracking your macros and flexible dieting doesn't work it's not Mm. the truth Um, it's just that you've got more flexibility and for some people that doesn't work more flexibility like makes them less disciplined and have less willpower because you know the lick sucks and bites they choose foods that taste good so then they have a higher appetite um so there's lots of different complexities but I think at the start like if I had a structure to follow but then also was taught like hey if you can't have this this day this is fine this is what you can do and you can just track it and you can do this that would have been like a big game changer and honestly saved me so much time
0: yeah. What I did love about sort of that meal plan was it had a lot of protein and had protein in every yes. meal and not just from supplements, but when I was sort of, before I even paid attention to my nutrition, I was just eating a lot of carbs, very active. Like you, I, I sort of reflect back and go, shit, it was easy to be lean when I was younger, but had no muscle mass, hardly eating any protein. Not, I was weight training, but not to the extent now. And just, I would just go into the cupboard and get handfuls of granola and just snack on them. Yeah. You know, I would, that was just my favorite. Like didn't track anything. I'm like, I'm hungry now. I'm going to have a snack. And it was always sort of a carby meal. So looking back, I, I might've been having three, 400 grams of carbs a day, but fats and proteins were just very low. Um, mm-hmm. So that probably still would have equated to not many calories. Um, but it was just, I did, enjoy um that it did teach me to eat protein in regular meals that was sort of the first point but yeah yeah, i was happy to get rid of that and move to flexible dieting as well Mm
1: what i find is meal plans they're actually by definition not sustainable because it's a set structure like it's un it's impossible to follow something every day like christmas comes around we've got social events like things don't happen maybe you run out of chicken do you know what i mean like life things um so meal plans are unsustainable but what we did danny is by starting with a meal plan we started seeing results straight away right yeah. and for a lot of people that's motivating so they roll with mm. momentum and that's good right yeah. however the reason why i approach nutrition with flexible dieting is. might actually take a new client honestly let's normalize this it might take a client four to six weeks to hit their macros for the first time properly yeah like the the difference between meal plans and flexible dieting is is macro-based flexible dieting is a teaching tool Mm. it's bringing self-awareness it's working on habits it's doing all of those things and that's why it's got long term sustainable results but people want the results now and that's why they default to that sort of stuff so what I wish I knew is I wish I didn't go for the Instagram gratification straight from the start and the easy option i wish i took the time to learn along the way and be yeah. patient with my progress so it was sustainable and made everything else easier because then maybe we could have got to maintenance and got to a surplus quicker built muscle mass got further along like there's a big ripple effect just from having that key knowledge yeah really well
0: said so take the time just to learn learn the skills and be okay with not knowing it straight away or not getting the results straight away but you're learning skills that you'll be using forever Yep, absolutely.
1: And the second thing that You know, we both wish that we knew was that it's actually quite difficult for the body to store protein as a fat source. Now, what Danny just mentioned there is, you know, a lot of key strategies for meal plans or, you know, just fat loss or body composition, whatever it might be, is to build a lot of your meals around protein sources or increase the protein sources um, in someone's uh, daily diet. The reason for this is that protein, out of all of the macronutrients—protein, carbs, and fats—it has the highest thermic effect of food. So, what this means is that when you eat protein and it costs the body the most amount of energy to um, break it down. So it's sort of like a catch 22 because you're like, is it 100 calories from protein? How much of that is lost to digestion yeah. and go on forever? So don't think about it. Um, but <laughs> the most important thing to remember is that, um, like I said, protein is difficult to store as body fat. And that's why it's a strategy to increase protein. But then the other thing is like, there was so many times and you can put this both ways, but there were so many times that I might've been on one of those 1200 calorie meal plans starving. Yeah. And if I just knew that I could have an extra protein shake and that would not be the end of the world, it might've made the process a little bit more enjoyable for me. A hundred
0: percent. And I've definitely been there. Um, When I was comp prepping and very lean, you know, for the first sort of time, I didn't realize this about protein. So the amount of nights where I'd have to leave a party early or just put myself to bed early because I was starving was ridiculous. I mean, you're going to have that in small elements, but for those nights where you just, you can't sleep because you're so hungry, having a protein shake would not be the end of the world and it would not make a difference. You'll probably sleep better, you know, and then you'll end up working out better the next day type thing. Um, But then also I actually stopped having protein shakes again, closer to show day, because having a big piece of meat, as you said, takes longer to digest. It keeps you fuller for longer. um, Mm. And it also just feels so nice just to, to have something that will keep you full in that time. Um, Mm. But again, yeah, we, we probably didn't have to go to bed hungry all of those times. Having an extra yep. protein shake or a little protein bar or, you know, a food with protein will not make you store fat within moderation. You know, if you're having lots and lots and lots of it, of mm. course, the energy has to go somewhere. But, you know, one serving of
1: protein, it's not the be all and end all. Yeah, absolutely. I'm having so many flashbacks <sighs> and things like that. But I used to like, for example, sometimes at work, I might like you sort of just Um, when I was nursing, you just have to take your break whenever you could. And I might have dinner at like five o'clock, right? Like in the, at the afternoon, which is like probably normal for me now. But (laughs) if I had dinner at five o'clock, that was because like between five and nine were like my busiest hours on the ward. So I would eat dinner so early and then I would have the busiest portion of my shift and I'd be starving by the end of it. And I'd go home and I'd be like, nah, (laughs) I don't get through until the next day. So then it's like, how many hours are you fasting? And like, I'm not saying that you're going to blow your calories by you know having an extra protein cookie and all these things to add up no like if you know there's two types of hunger we've got yeah. like craving hunger you want something sweet and physiological hunger like could you eat broccoli you're that hungry and that's all the answer is <laughs> yes yeah right that's when you're truly physiologically hungry and in yeah. prep, like there's times i could have woken up in the middle of the night just eating broccoli <laughs>
0: Yeah. Literally. I remember having asparagus like, and
1: I was just thing I'm like, fuck this tastes so good. I'm like, okay, that's yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's <laughs> the end result of something that's really extreme. Um, mm. But yeah, like I said, if you're, especially when you don't have such extreme goals, you know, you're really like integrating yourself into nutrition. You're learning more like a, an extra serving of protein. If you're hungry is probably going to do you more good then harm at the end of the day. It's not going to derail you. It's not going to be the reason why you don't make weight. It's not going to be (laughs) those sorts of like negative things that, you know, maybe we didn't really understand at the start.
0: Exactly. But we live and we learn. Um, Mm -hmm. The next point, moving on. So tracking macros and calories isn't for everyone. And we definitely agree. I think we've come across, you know, when I used to take people for nutrition as well, it, it can be a little bit overwhelming. And we did mention earlier that it does take, you know, four to six weeks or even longer, not only to get your head around how to use the tracking app, Mm -hmm. but to implement it as a habit to track everything you've eaten, but then also to change targets and then hit a target. So there's so many elements for people who get quite overwhelmed or a little bit obsessive um, with
1: numbers and, and food. It might not be the right thing for you. Yeah, absolutely. This is something I've definitely changed my perspective on over the last 12 months, like working with a lot of clients um, for nutrition. Something I've sort of come to appreciate is like not everyone has the goals that you do as a coach Mm -hmm. and not every strategy that works for you is going to work for other clients. And I think um, even in the fitness space, there's a lot of comp prep coaches that treat their gen pop clients as like with the same extremes like they must hit their macros within five grams like that's pretty extreme Mm. right would just say for general population like they need to like hit a protein target and then be respectful with energy balance right rather than like hitting every macronutrient um to the i guess the end degree but then the Mm. other thing that you know i've really transitioned into is really learning more about intuitive eating and we have a lot of um gals that have moved from flexible dieting or macro tracking to intuitive eating um and we use other data other metrics other ways of tracking progress around nutrition because nutrition to a lot of people is so much more than macros right it's culture it's 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 body positivity it's like nourishing yourself it's whole food and soul food like there's so many other ways that you can look at nutrition and we would be lying if we sat here and said that we tracked our food 365 days a year
0: Mm -hmm. exactly right and particularly now that sort of comp prep is not a thing for me anymore I have lots of days where I just eat intuitively and it's so nice because for a while I would track everything all the time but obviously with the goal to get on stage I just didn't want to have any regrets for me personally Mm. um but people can do it you know but that for me I was like no I have to track everything but it's actually a beautiful break just to be like hey it's not the end of the world and far out I've done it that long enough now you you just know how to pick portions and things and you learn okay I haven't had much protein today I haven't tracked anything but I'm due to have a little bit of protein things like that Yeah, Um, absolutely. And I work with a lot of clients who are coaches overseas, like in America and things where things are just so different. I mean, obviously we have our bubble of people here um, who know about health and fitness, but some of those coaches work with gen pop. And I'm talking like real gen pop. Everything is so, so, so new. So for those guys no way would they have to track any sort of calorie. A, they just don't want to, to be honest, yeah, and B, much. it would just not do any good. So for real gen pop people, food swaps and just education. Mm. But I, what I learned from her lens of um, people in America, they're still taught about you know the all the shakes like the the pyramid scheme type shakes and um that restriction is the only way to lose weight they they don't really know much about flexible dieting again this is just a bubble of people that she's dealing with i'm like wow like um so her main way is just to say no you don't need to restrict everything but just make sure that you're eating these food groups and she's getting results with her clients just by doing something so simple like that
1: Yeah. I think, um, so many people can get caught in obsessing over macros and thinking it's the most important thing. And, you know, the timeline that we like to use is like, let's say you've got a brand new client who's never tracked before and they Mm. want to, right. That's a big difference as well. They want to, um, the first thing you're always going to focus on whether they want to get straight into it or not is the habits. And like what you said, you know, the habits are going to be like, do they have, you know, whole meals like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or are they starving themselves? You know, are they choosing, um, like lean protein sources, or Mm. are they choosing just protein bars all the time? Like those fundamentals that we just neglect when we only Mm. look at macros, we look at the, Mm. you know, the averages and that's it. But the habits that surround that, you know, sleep, training, exercise, self-care, all of those things are fundamental to making sure that you can focus on the other steps, which are going to be then protein. Right mm. And calories, energy balance, what we spoke about first, getting them to understand like calories in, calories out and treating it like a bank account. Even though I don't love to use that analogy, I think when you first start, it's a good thing like understanding transaction. You know, yeah. what you put in comes out and that's how we maintain, right? Yeah. And then from there, you can start layering on the complexities if the client's up to it. But yeah. you literally do those three pieces, um, habits, protein, energy balance, 99% of the work's done, literally. Yeah most people are going to achieve a great result. And yep. then if people want to move on to understanding carbs and fats and hitting targets, they can by all means. And what I like to do is have clients understand all of those concepts. And then if they get to a point like what you're at, Danny, intuitive eating is a great thing to transition into for long-term maintenance because you've got the tools, you've got the self-awareness, you've got the resource and the knowledge to understand mm. all of those things. And it allows you to be a successful intuitive eater because- yeah. I don't, I personally don't believe that we can just eat intuitively in this modern day and culture where calories are abundance. We're always hungry. Food volume doesn't necessarily mean energy um, availability mm. Mm. and, you know, we have an obesity epidemic. So I think we yeah. need to understand energy balance to be successful intuitive eaters. Like how many bowls of granola do you think we knocked back when we didn't Literally. know how many calories are in there? So yeah. You know, when you have that knowledge, it allows you to be an intuitive eater successfully because the goal is not to track forever. And I think it's important to name that. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. And, and
0: just to recap what you said, sort of make the goals simple and easy for yourself and your clients, tick those off, get them really mm.
1: comfortable and then add the layers of complexity. I love how you said that. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, the second last one is the importance of spending time at maintenance and or in a building phase. So really important that, you know, if your goal is fat loss uh, or if your goal is building your physique, that you're spending like a good portion of the year eating at maintenance, um, meaning like what comes in comes out in terms of energy balance, um, or spending a little bit of time in a surplus to build muscle tissue along the way. We can't forever live in a calorie deficit. We can't forever follow a structured meal plan. We can't forever eat 1,200 calories. Mm. We need to be spending time eating more so that we can train um, with good intensity, recover well, enjoy our lives, and, you know, progress along our fitness journey.
0: For sure. Everyone wants to grow muscle, but nobody wants to eat in a surplus, right? Or, you know, everyone wants to regulate their hormones, but people aren't fueling themselves to do so or allowing Mm. for recovery. So it's very important. The first time that I stopped being in a deficit and going into a build, I really just took it for a ride in a bad way. I mean, I sort of just used the excuse in my head oh I'm in a surplus now I can eat this extra protein with pancake protein pancakes with ice cream at brunch and Mm. you know go to Milky Lane in Bondi and have the milkshakes (laughs) and all that and it's fine but I was just really like bullshitting myself and then I had to sort of sit Mm -hmm. down and go hey rein it in a little bit I mean Don't drop all of your processes just because you're in a build. I mean, it's a good thing that I wasn't attached to being in a deficit anymore, um, but still have guidelines and boundaries. That's probably the first lesson that I learned when being in a build. And then you get to the point where you start to feel real uncomfortable anyway when you do that. So yeah, I wish I just sort of, allowed myself to, to be in that building phase, have fun, do whatever, but then not sort of let it get a little bit out of hand. Um, yeah. And it wasn't really a result of body composition. Obviously, I put extra weight on, including muscle, but it was more just about I felt as though I was dropping my processes. And
1: I don't mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, absolutely. Really well said. I think you can get caught in the track of like, eating more and like you said, just eating shit. Like that whole food to soul food ratio sort of starts to move from 80-20 to like, you know, 60-40, 50-50 and then you're (laughs) like, nah, (laughs) Back <laughs> as well. So it's important yeah. to absolutely spend time at maintenance um, and building, but like you said, not drop your processes, not change yourself too much. Mm. Um, and the goal as well, like in building phases is to not eat as much as humanly possible. Like yeah. I I think conservative deficit, I'm sorry, conservative surpluses are always going to be better um, yeah. than just going all in or like a lot of people, they don't track when they're in surpluses. They mm. just sort of like just eat more um, Yeah. And- you know what we spoke to earlier it can be a trap because you're eating more you know you should be about two three four hundred calories absolute maximum mm. um and it could be a thousand over every day and it really mm. could quite easily if you're like a small individual so yeah. really again understanding everything that we spoke about earlier um prioritizing spending time at maintenance and treating it with just as much respect as you would a dieting face um with more flexibility with food sources right and eating yeah. out more and just being flexible in that sense yeah enjoy it all <laughs> right lucky
0: last. So the last lesson is why you should alter and change macros for an individual. Yeah. Um, I
1: don't know about you Danny but when I first started coaching I felt like I had to change things all the time to be doing my job, yes. right? And I think the greatest lesson that I've learned from like a coaching point of view is that no changes is often good changes, Mm. right? Like you don't need to change to progress. In matter of fact, change just means the body has to readjust um, and sort of, you know, establish homeostasis all again. And we should be aiming for minimum changes when it comes to nutrition because there's already so many things to think about, so many habits to put in place, so many decisions to make in a day when it comes to nutrition. And you shouldn't be chopping and changing macros unless the data indicates that you absolutely need to consistently
0: yeah if you have not stuck to your macros or if there are so many variables and then your weight hasn't changed then it's not the macros that needs to change it's everything else that you were doing in your week you know Mm. make sure you actually stick to your macros and a really good position to be in is if your goal is to be in a deficit to be losing weight on the same macros like that's what you want and then maybe three four five weeks later make a slight tweak, stick to that and go again. But there are so many reasons, again, which we've elaborated on this podcast as to why your weight might not change or your measurements, period, sleep, stress, Mm -hmm. um, food types, um, bloating, things like that. So it's not just about that instant, okay, I must change macros or as a coach to think, oh, I'm not doing my job if I'm not making a change. Same with training, you know, coaches think that they need to cue all the time or make. Changes to the person's movement all the time. But I think a really good coach knows how to make the least amount of moves and get the result.
1: Yeah, 100%. A really good coach will, like the work is not done really in the check-ins, the work is done in the strategy that's set mm. um, and the modifications that are made like, you know, monthly or like every six weeks, that's when the work's done, the rest is up to the client. And, you know, compliance is always going to be your biggest hurdle, like as a coach and for yourselves as well. And sometimes that's really important to reassess before changes are made as well. And I like to leave things like i would never change macros, anything more than sort of every two weeks an absolute minimum like if someone stalled and hit a plateau for a couple of weeks i might make an adjustment Mm. um maybe even a bit longer Mm. assuming all other variables like what you said danny they don't have their period they're recovering while they're sleeping while stress is under control food sources aren't all over the shop Um, yeah assuming those variables are under control but never ever ever make a like a judgment or a change just based off one week exactly exactly and be okay with playing around with a little bit less
0: carbs or a little bit less fats like it's not always just about cutting carbs Mm. yes we need a baseline level of protein so we don't become too catabolic yes we need a baseline level of fats just for our hormones but i feel like a lot of people straight away just go cut carbs cut carbs no play around with it and be
1: okay with that yeah absolutely well that wraps up i guess our five points that we wish we knew about nutrition. This is a short and sweet episode. We really just wanted to get straight into it and give you those five pointers. So we hope you did enjoy this one. Let us know if you did. And of course, please do take a screenshot and tag us on Instagram. Thanks everyone.